Hello, everyone. This is Rick with the CyberPro Podcast, where industry leaders share their insights. It's about five questions in under nine minutes, hopefully. And we are super excited today to have Dennis on the call with us. Dennis, please tell us who you are and what do you do? Thank you, Rick. My name is Dennis O'Shea, founder of Mobile Mentor, and I've got a managed service provider that's a bit different to many others, uh, strong focus in the endpoint space. So very happy to be here today. Thank you for the opportunity. Interesting. So I'm, I'm going to, we'll get to the, the managed service piece of that. I'm, I'm very excited to talk with, with you about that, but let's jump into that second question. Why do you love being in the cybersecurity space, being a cybersecurity and, and information security specialist and professional? The bit that gives me fulfillment is being able to advise clients on initiatives they can take that will help their security posture, but also benefit their employee experience. And everything we do as an organization is about balancing security and employee experience. And the two often are not thought of together, but we think about them. And this is what we think about all day, every day, is when we're deploying MFA or we're deploying security policies or initiatives, what's the user experience? Because we know We've learned the hard way that if we don't get the communication and the articulation and the rollout right for the users, they won't adopt and they will actually work around the policies and measures we're putting in place. So everything we do is about getting that balance right. And then modern technologies like zero trust architecture or going passwordless are great manifestations of how you can be more secure and have a better user experience. Love the conversation about user experience, business ROI versus, versus the security side. Real quick as a bonus question, you know, what's one insight that you like to share with folks when it comes to trying to synthesize and balance those two? One insight I would share is that we've done some research to understand what's actually going on in the front line of industry as we come out of this pandemic. And what we found was that remote workers seem to be more secure than office-based workers, which surprised us because we've been reading some stuff telling us remote workers are, are the problem uh, today and they're the ones getting hacked. Actually, we found that when we look at stats like how often they see or notice a security policy, how often they do security awareness training or remember doing so, remote workers seem to be more cognizant, more vigilant, they choose to use MFA when it's discretionary more often than office-based workers. They are, they're more aware of privacy policies as well as security policies. And we're finding that the remote worker community seems to be slightly more onto it when it comes to security. So our advice to cybersecurity pros is when you're rolling out something new, when you're crafting a new policy, when you're testing a new product, involve your remote workers in the project. Because if you get it right for them, you're going to get it right for everybody. But if you leave them outside the tent and forget about them because they're out of sight and out of mind, you're going to have problems further downstream. That's fascinating. Let's pivot that to talking about kind of, you know, the global thought of cybersecurity as a top concern. What does cybersecurity as a top concern mean to you? Well, <clears throat> in a way, I want to call BS on that because the research we've done tells us that frontline workers do not have cybersecurity as a top concern in their minds. Now, the research we did picked on four highly regulated industries, healthcare, education, government, and financial services. All four are highly regulated. All four should have their house in order. Security should be a top concern. They really should be in a good place. 
the data that we found from the research, and this is only six months ago, tells us that all is not well. And one of the very simple questions we asked was, what's more important to you, your organization security or your personal privacy? And guess what? People don't care that much about their organization security. They care four times more about their personal privacy, four times more. And so we think there's a huge learning point in this for all, all of us in cybersecurity, and it's to reframe our message a little bit. So if I say to you, hey, Rick, the policy we're rolling out or the tools we're deploying or these initiatives we're taking are to protect your personal information. We want to make sure your social number, your driver's license, your salary details never get leaked, never get sold, never end up on the dark web. And we want to do the same for your colleagues and by extension for our students and our patients and, and our citizens. I've got your attention now because this is personal to you. Whereas if you just hear me banging on about some high level abstract security policy, I've lost you. And so this is what we're finding that security is not a frontal lobe top concern for most people on the front line of industry. They're just doing their jobs. Now, for people in IT who work in cybersecurity, we're thinking about it all day, every day. But the people who go out and teach or the nurses in the hospitals or whatever, they are not thinking about it all day. I love the, I love when there's always a back and forth, right? We ask the question because we hope we get a little bit of a challenge of it. And so you've totally, completely challenged us on it. And we appreciate that. What insight do you want to share with our network of cyber experts? I want to share something I've learned recently, which is that Gen Z is wired differently when it comes to security. They're wired differently. They're the only generation alive that has no recollection of 9-11. I bet you and I and everybody listening today knows exactly where they were, who they were with, and what they were doing on 9-11, except Gen Z. They were running around the kitchen and nappies. It went right over their heads. They had no idea. And they sauntered through the next 20 years without realizing the world was changing. And they weren't oppressed and impacted the way we were by cybersecurity, homeland security, airport security, all the way security have burdened us. Gen Z sauntered through life, and then they joined the workforce during a pandemic, many of them working remotely for an employer they never met. So they do not think about security in the way millennials or Gen X or baby boomers do. They're wired differently. They think about privacy, and they actually read privacy policies, and they're the generation that splashed their lives all over social media in a way that we maybe look at them and we go, wow, why would you share all that? Now they do it with their eyes wide open and they're thinking about privacy, but they're not thinking about security. And so when we are crafting policies and strategies and how we roll out tools and all that, as I mentioned before, we need to involve the remote workers because they will challenge what we do, but we need to involve Gen Z because they think differently and they will help us shape our message and, and rewrite our policies in a way that lands effectively for Gen Z. And we have to get that right because Gen Z is going to flood the workplace in the next five years. They're coming into teaching jobs, nursing jobs, and we need them everywhere, right? We need, we need employees. And then they will eventually become managers and leaders. And meanwhile, we get older. So we absolutely have to get this right for Gen Z. I'm not getting older. I don't know about you. The gray is just, I put it in there <laughs> so I look older. No. I, I want to ask a quick follow-up to that. Do you think we can meet that requirement, meet that demand fast enough from a security perspective, uh, or are we already behind? Great question. Uh, if we continue doing what we've always done and rely on old school security tools, we've lost the battle. 
So if we tell Gen Zs, come into this workplace and you can, you can log on when you're inside our domain and you use our VPNs and there's firewalls and we have an old fashioned security perimeter, we, we've effectively lost the battle. But if we're able to give them a modern working environment with zero trust architecture and devices that self-configure and it's passwordless authentication and we're not burdening them with 97 different passwords to manage, if we go modern and we give them modern, we will win their hearts and minds. But if we put them through, you know, put them through the old school world that we built over the last 20 years, we will not win their hearts and minds. And we know this for a fact now because the research told us um, one of the really interesting data points was 71% of Gen Z think other companies are doing a better job of technology than their own company. Now, that's what they think. They don't know differently because they're in their first job, right? Gen right. Z just came out of college. They joined their first employer during the pandemic, but they think the grass is greener. And so if we try and impose old world security models on them and, and create friction, and more passwords and more VPNs and more lockdowns and more policies, they're going to walk because they think the grass is greener. So we're in a really interesting position right now where trust is high coming out of the pandemic. Employers have been taking care of employees and checking in, are you okay? And blah, blah, blah. So trust is really high and employees genuinely believe their employer cares about them. But as we come out of it and all that caring goes back to normal. <laughs> if we now increase the friction for that generation, we will lose them. If we can embrace modern architecture, modern technology and reduce friction, we will win them and keep them. That's amazing. Dennis, final question, fun question. What's your favorite piece of retro technology that makes you smile? It's uh, right here on the wall. It's this Fender Stratocaster. I believe this design has not changed for 50 years. And, and I believe it's still the standard. And I live in Nashville, Tennessee, so I get to see a lot of great guitars and a lot of great guitarists and musicians. But this is still kind of instrument number one for so many great guitarists. And essentially, it hasn't changed in 50 years. And I, I just, I respect that so much. And I love that so much. When we live in tech that's changing every day, to have something that never changes, <laughs> that, that delights me. Next time we'll have you on and you'll have to play a song for us. Oh no, that'll never happen. <laughs> I'm, bu I, I'm busy that day and any day you want to schedule that, I'm busy. Wonderful. Dennis, thank you so much for being on the CyberBro podcast. Thank you for inviting me, Rick. It's been a pleasure. You did it. You made it to the end. Check us out for future podcasts and more content.